Good morning. Our second reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. That very day, two of the disciples were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognising him. And Jesus said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel, Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. Jesus acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening and the day is now far spent. So Jesus went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Good morning, everyone. Before we look at this passage that's just been read to us, let me pray and ask for God's help. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we uh, think about this part of your word, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to understand it, speak to each one of us, uh, change us by it and help us to live in the light of what you say to us through it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
four words. Just four words. They are one of the most overwhelming expressions of human emotion in the entire New Testament. Those words, I'll come to them in a minute, were said by a man called Cleopas. He was outside Jerusalem nearly 2,000 years ago. We met him in the Bible reading that we've just had. He's not alone. He's walking with a friend, but that friend isn't named, and we're not told whether it's a man or a woman. It's taking place on that Sunday, the one after Jesus was crucified. Most of the other believers were back in Jerusalem, gathered together, following what was the most important event in all of history, but not all of them are there. Two of them, as we read, have given up and they've set out on the seven-mile journey to the village of Emmaus. What else do we know about them? Well, look at the end of verse 17. They stood still, looking sad. Cleopas was a man whose life has suddenly taken a turn for the worse. His dreams had been shattered, and he was left to move forward into a reality that he had not previously imagined. And as I've read and reread this scene, I keep being drawn back to the four words that Cleopas said to Jesus in verse 21. But we had hoped. Do you know the pain of a long-held hope or dream being suddenly and completely destroyed? But we had hoped. We've all said something like that at the most difficult and painful times in our lives. We've all experienced sudden moments of unpredictable disappointment. And we've all felt the torrential downpour of despair. But we had hoped. Have you been there? What have you hoped for? That a relationship would last? That a treatment would work? That a job would be yours? That you might be blessed with children? That you might finally overcome an addiction? Or that God may remove your attraction to those of the same sex? Have you been afraid even to hope because of not being able to cope with yet another disappointment. But we had hoped. Just four little words, but express, express a wealth of disappointment that can rarely be measured in just words alone. What they were saying is, we don't expect it anymore. Once we did, once upon a time we had this thing called hope, but now it is gone. What had caused clear past such despair. Listen to his words again from verse 19. And Jesus said to them, what things? And they said to him, well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they didn't find the body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Well, no wonder they were so disappointed and devastated. The man that they had placed their hope in who many had given up their homes and jobs to follow, who they had believed had come from God to save them, Jesus 
had been horribly put to death, a cruel and shameful end. And when he had died, their hopes had died with him. Just a week earlier, on Palm Sunday, the disciples' hopes had risen higher than they ever had before when the excited crowds had welcomed their master into Jerusalem as the longed-for deliverer from the tyranny of Roman occupation. But now Jesus lay dead in a sealed tomb. But then they'd heard that some of their fellow believers had gone to the tomb and, and found the tomb empty. Well, that didn't help. It just caused more confusion. Jesus still wasn't there. They hadn't seen him. Their hopes were dashed. Their dreams were over. There was no proof, no reason to begin hoping again. And yes, when dreams appear to shatter and our plans for the future don't match up with what is going on at the moment, it is normal to ask ourselves, what is God doing? Is God not with us? Where was God when our secure and predictable future suddenly became insecure and unpredictable? Where was God when the path forward seemed to crumble? And we're left to wonder how those pieces could ever be put back together again. Where is God? Well, it's a good question. The answer, of course, is in verse 15. While they were walking, sorry, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And this next part of the story is full of irony, maybe even a touch of humour. In verse 16, it says their eyes were kept from recognising him. Jesus begins a conversation with them by asking them what it is they were talking about as they walked. And their response is to ask him, are you the only one who doesn't know what's going on? Well, little do they know that they're talking to the one, the only one, in fact, who did know exactly what was going on. And there is a funny twist to that, isn't there? Funny, I guess, until we realise that we ask just the same questions during our broken dreams of the one who does know what is going on. You see, one of the things I love about the Gospels is that they deal with things that we sometimes don't even dare to speak about. They don't try to hide or tidy up the messy reality of deep disappointment in the lives of those who follow Jesus. And I think it's a comfort to know that those closest to Jesus face doubts, just as we do at times. But the Gospels also show us what is really going on when we're in danger of losing perspective. We are not alone. Jesus draws near and he walks with us. And that is the truth, even if we cannot see it. Life has many distractions, hard work, routine, tiredness, ill health, and all those things can grind us down. And as we carry on mechanically, we sometimes fail to lift our eyes or our minds from the dust of the earthly road that we're traveling. But be that as it may, it changes nothing about the truth of who walks with us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23 verse 4. Well, let's now move on to the second section of this passage, verses 25 to 27. Let me read those verses for us. Verse 25, and he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? 
And so beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, Cleopas and his companions accepted the gentle rebuke that Jesus made, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Perhaps the key word in this section is all. It wasn't that they hadn't read the prophets of old, but that they, but that they had read them selectively. They'd concentrated on those parts that spoke of a victorious saviour. The passages that spoke of a suffering servant, however, didn't fit in with their expectations of the Christ, and so they'd skipped over them. You see, the Old Testament speaks about both the life and the death of Christ and tells us that it was necessary for him to suffer and to die in order to save us. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was taking the punishment for our sin, the punishment that we deserve for refusing to listen to him, and for refusing to honour him as our God. We were not righteous, we're not perfect, but he was. We deserved punishment. He didn't. But an amazing thing happened. He was punished so that we could be set free. Our punishment went to him and his righteousness has come to us. He has become our saviour. And so if we trust in Jesus, we can be treated as if we have done nothing wrong because he took the punishment that we deserved. And only after he had suffered in that way to become our saviour would he rise from the dead and receive his glory. If you're new to these things, if you're new to church or you're not sure why Christians believe Jesus had to suffer and die in order to save us, well, can I encourage you to keep joining us online every week? Come to our in-person services if you can. But I particularly recommend that you visit our website, whyjesus.org.uk. On there, you can uh, get in contact with us and, and ask for a copy of a free book called If You Could Ask God One Question. It's a great little read and we'd love to send it to you. And also on there, you can find out more about and sign up uh, for a group called Christianity Explored that begins uh, later this week. But for those of us who are Christians and who do know our Bibles well, these verses have a real challenge for us. Are we slow to believe all that is in the Bible? Sometimes behind our hopelessness in the situations that we face is a slowness to believe all that God tells us through his word. We too need to hear Jesus' gentle rebuke and listen carefully to everything that he has to say to us. We all need to beware of a tendency to read the Bible selectively, which is one of the reasons why it's a really helpful habit to deliberately work our way through the whole of the Bible in our private reading as well as in our church life, and that's what we try to do here. Well, let's now look at the final section of this passage, beginning with verse 28, and again, I'll read those for us. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He, that is Jesus, acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So we went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognised him, and he vanished from their sight. So as the story continues, we see that it's soon going to be dark, and these two disciples arrive at their destination. And when they do so, they urge Jesus strongly to stay with them. They no doubt were worried about his safety, but they're also concerned and hungry for more Bible teaching from him. 
Jesus agreed to say, and the three of them sat down for a meal together. After a prayer of thanks for the meal, Jesus broke the bread and he gave it to them. And it was at this moment that God chose to let them see that this stranger with them was Jesus. And they could see that he was alive again. But no sooner had they recognised him, however, than he vanishes from their sight. And what they say is one of the key verses in this section, verse 32. They say to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? So how did Jesus make their hearts burn within them? He opened up the Bible with them. He read it with them. Remember, this is Jesus we're talking about. He could easily have said to them, let me tell you what's been going on. Wouldn't that be what you expect? But he doesn't say that, does he? Instead, he says, look, let me show you what the Bible says. It's almost as if he was preparing them for the life of faith after he had returned to his father in heaven. When the life of faith, the way they relate to him, would be to open his word and to hear him speak to them through it. And he's also, I think, in these verses, giving those of us who were not alive at the time a place in the gospel. As we look at them interacting with God through his word. That is a picture of how we too today relate to him. That is us. That is where we fit into this amazing story. You see, the Bible is the normal and the clearest way that God speaks to us today. When the Bible is read, God is talking to us. And it begs the question, how closely do we listen? When we wake up, are we more interested in our news app or in social media? Or do we hunger for more of what God has to say to us? Are we desperate to listen to him? You see, for Cleopas and their friends, and his, uh, so Cleopas and his friend, their despair turned to their hearts burning within them. And so too, the power and hope of God's word can turn our long-held broken hopes and struggles and despairs to our hearts burning for him. Jesus turned their perspective back to the truth and he restored their hope as they believed the promises of his word. And he still does the same today by his spirit through his word. And verse 33 says this, and they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So Jesus had explained the scriptures to them and they now understood that Jesus was the Christ. All that had happened to him made sense to them now. Christ was risen from the dead. Christ is the saviour. Christ is the hope of the world. And their first reaction was that they must tell the other disciples. So they got up from the table at once and they hurried back the seven miles to Jerusalem. It would have been dark for most of the way, but that didn't seem to bother them. And when they got to Jerusalem, they found the 11 apostles who had some other disciples with them. And when they arrived, the apostles had news to tell them. Jesus is alive. Jesus has met with Simon Peter. You see, the fact of Jesus' resurrection and the hope of God's word provided deep and lasting comfort to these disciples, whose lives had been turned upside down. Well, when, 
May we also find hope and comfort in the truth of Jesus' resurrection in whatever situation we find ourselves in, rather than trying to renew our own hope in something or someone else. And may it be our desire and purpose to discover Jesus in the scriptures, just as people directed, just as Jesus directed Cleopas to do on that Emmaus road, so that we too can live our lives with our hearts burning within us. Let me give you a moment or two now to respond in prayer, to respond to the Lord Jesus who knows and understands your broken hopes and desires and come to him and ask that he would fill you with a perspective and with a hope that comes from the truth of his resurrection. So let's spend a moment or two now in prayer. Amen.